Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. All right. Well, good evening, everybody. Those who like the rain and cold weather, you guys, you're brave. Brave. Tell yourself, you're brave. Or don't. Do whatever you want. But you're here, so I think you're brave. So, good. Well, we have a special treat for all of you, um, even those in the far back. Um, We have a lineup of guest speakers and sharers. I'm going to use that word because we asked a few people to come and share from their heart. And um, think of it this way. I love when someone else speaks because I feel like they can just say it a different way that it just works. And so when somebody invites me to go to a, what's it called, a marketing level, a mid-level, but it's basic, yeah, I get invited to those all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go because I love the way they try to sell their product. I'm just like, they say, okay, you get a friend, he gets a friend, and a third friend, now you're in the triangle team. And you're going to tell someone, and then you're going to call in the expert. I'm like, yes, I love this. So whenever I go to these events, even though I know I can't jump in and participate, I just love learning what they, how they portray it. And then I always think about, what if we treated the gospel like this? Like, what if, when I was telling someone about Jesus, I said, you know what? I've got a friend who's been a Christian a lot longer than I. Let me call them real quick. And then they're going to talk to you, and they're going to tell you about how their life was transformed. And then you're going to tell three people about how your life was transformed. And then the gospel's going to spread. Anyways, so I say all that to say, if you have the mindset that you can learn from anybody, you can learn from anybody. So take that mindset today and say, you know what? There's a golden ticket hidden in these messages somewhere. And it's up to you to find this golden ticket, okay? So turn on your ears and your thinking caps and uh, and let the Lord speak to you. So it's a very small group, maybe not uh, in numbers, but like this means something. Like I love it when it's, this is divine. Like God knew exactly everyone who was going to be here and God doesn't waste time. We we don't want to waste time. Like we want all, God. We want everything you have tonight uh, in this room. And so uh, come expecting and uh, we'll get the night started. So our first guest speaker is going to be Pastor Alex. I'll let Alex introduce himself. Hi, everyone. My name is Alex. It's good to see you all. Nice to meet you all out there today. Um, No, I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited to be back. I just got back from Colorado. If y'all, hopefully y'all notice I wasn't here Sunday or last Wednesday. Um, But on Sunday, uh, from watching the live stream, I gathered that Pastor Eric preached on Romans chapter 8, which I love that chapter. It's such an amazing, powerful chapter. Like, I can read it so many times, and my mind can still be blown every single time I read it. And the most mind-blowing thought that that I have when I read this is, is found in verse 19, when it says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And if you're in here wondering, who's a son of God? That's you, a child of God, son, daughter. That's you in here when you're a believer in Christ. You are a child of God. And this verse says that creation is waiting for the revealings of you. And in context, I encourage you to go read this because there's so much to it. It talks about how the earth, it's groaning with birth pangs, it's waiting, that, that things are happening because it's waiting for the children of God to reveal themselves. Like we all know 
that, that the earth is in turmoil, right? I don't think that any of us will argue with that. I turn on the news for five minutes, and, and, and you hear all the time about all the things that are going wrong. You hear people uh, that complain about their jobs. You hear, you hear about all the, the terrible, bad things that are happening in this world, and it gets depressing sometimes, right? But this verse says that the creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, like I said, I just got back from Colorado, and they have a lot of natural hot springs in the city that I went to. And so we actually went to some of these hot springs, which was actually pretty relaxing. Uh, they have a bunch of, of tubs with the natural hot springs that are really hot. And so we were hanging out in these tubs. And, and one of the ladies that worked there, she was walking around, and, and she was sticking her hand in the tub. And she would say, that tub is 102 degrees. And then she would go to the next tub, and she would say, that tub's about 101, maybe 102. She'd go to the next one. That one's 99. And my first thought was like, dang, is she serious? Like, she knows how hot that tub is. But then my second thought is like, why is she going around just telling us the temperature of the tubs? Like, what, what purpose does that serve? And, and then she got to our tub and said, it's 99 degrees. Would you like for us to turn it up? And I said, oh, okay. So she's not just gauging the temperature. She's doing something about it. You know, we, we know those people that are, that are constantly diagnosing where we're at in this world constantly saying all the bad things that are happening about how terrible the, the country or the world or whatever it is, all, all the, the, the crime that's happening. We, we know those people, but, but how often do you hear about the people saying, but God is going to do something good? How often do you hear people saying, God is going to come in and change this situation? God is going to make all things work together for good. Creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. That's you. As Christians, we can't just sit back and say, this is wrong, this is bad, this isn't working out. You know, the United States is going to hell in a handbasket. No, that's not our job. Our job is to do something about it. We have this message that God has entrusted us with, the, the message that will and can change people's lives. We have an obligation to share that with this earth. We have an obligation to stand up and say, hey, God loves you. He's going to change your circumstance. Hey, it's by Jesus' stripes that you are healed. Hey, God loves you. God loves you. That's the message that he's entrusted with us, and it's the message that will change lives. So I want to encourage you today, go into 2019 with that mindset. I'm not just going to sit back and, and, and look at everything that's wrong. I'm not just going to be that complainer that talks about how terrible my job is. No, I'm going to do something about it, and I'm going to share this message that God has entrusted us with. Amen? I love you guys. Thank you, Pastor Alex. He's our youth pastor here. Next up, we have someone who is uh, very well known to the stage. We'd like to call up Faith Winchell. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Tonight, I would like to talk to you about three uh, types of relationships that you can have with God. We'll be reading out of Psalm 139, verse 13, 16, and 17. You are, sorry, <laughs> you are made, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. So I would like to talk to you, as I said, about three types of relationships that you can have with God. Um, I'm going to call them uh, an Isaac relationship, a Colin relationship, and a Tim relationship. I'm going to put you in a situation. Okay, pretend that your favorite band of all time is decided to put on a reunion show for your favorite album of all time. Okay? 
And uh, let's say it's in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and you're like, wow, I'm crazy enough. I'm going to drive all the way there to watch them play my favorite album of all time from start to finish in a row. So you go and you drive there and you get there just in time for the show to start. There is one person between you and the stage and your band comes out and plays and it's the most amazing show you've ever been to in your entire life, right? And then you get off stage and the band is out there waiting to talk to people. And you go, you've met them a couple of times and so you're like, oh, let me see if they still remember me. And then you go up to the lead singer, let's say his name is Tim, and he sees you and he opens his arms to you and gives you a massive hug because he totally remembers you from the 17 times that you've been to his concerts. And he says, um, he talks to you about like random details of your life that he remembers from all of the encounters that you've had with him over the years. And you ask him questions about his life. He tells you, he asks you questions about your life. You tell him. And then um, you talk to a couple of other people. And, and then you see the drummer. Let's say his name is Colin. And Colin sees you, and he is so excited to see you. He gives you a massive hug. And he's like, hey, I cannot believe that you're here. I didn't think you'd drive all the way to Columbus, Ohio to see me. And he's, he goes, you know, actually, I looked out, and I saw someone who looked just like you. And I thought, man, I wish she was here. She would get so much out of this. She would love this so much. And you're like, I am here. It's me, you know. And then you talk to him for a little while, and then you see, you, you talk to a couple other people, and then you're getting ready to drive all the way back to McKinney, and you see uh, the videographer, who is the whole reason that you met this band, or you heard of this band in the first place. You go up to him and you're like, hi, let's say his name is Isaac. Hi, Isaac, I just wanted to meet you because if it wasn't for you, I would have never found this band, and they're my favorite band of all time. And he's like, oh, wow, awesome. What's your name? And you know, you introduce yourself and you talk to him and whatever. And then you leave, and as I say, you drive all the way back to McKinney. Wouldn't that be an amazing adventure if you did that, if that happened to you? Well, that happened to me this last weekend. My favorite band of all time. Yeah, super awesome, right? House of Heroes. And um, as I'm driving back, I was, uh, you know, listening to worship music and praying about what am I going to preach on Wednesday? And God said, well, isn't it super awesome that your favorite band of all time your, the members know you by name, and they know personal details about you. And I was like, yeah, that is awesome. And then I was like, oh, yeah, what's also awesome is the creator of the universe and everything in it. He also knows me by name, and he knows personal details about me. How cool is that? And he showed me that the three encounters that I mentioned, of the many encounters that I had that weekend, he said these three encounters are three phases of a relationship that you could have with God. So the first one that I'm going to talk about is an Isaac relationship. Now, Isaac is the one that, um, he's the videographer that I have known for 12 years, but I never met until this weekend. And, he's, and verse 13 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Just like I knew Isaac for 12 years before finally meeting you, God, meeting him, God has known you since way before you were born. He knows all of your inner parts of your body, and he knit you together in your mother's womb. He has been waiting for you to meet him, and he can't wait for the day that you do. The second relationship is a Colin relationship. Uh, Colin is the drummer, and he's, when he saw me in the crowd, he thought, man, I wish Faith were here. She would love this. She would get so much out of this. 
but he didn't think that I was going to drive all the way to Columbus, Ohio to see him. So he didn't think I was actually going to be there. Verse 17 says, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. You know, God wants so much for you. He has so many thoughts towards you and so many great things for you if you're just willing to go out of your way and take them and grab them from him. But maybe you're like, God, I know you're there, but, um, and I like to reach out to you when it's convenient, but I don't know that I'm willing to drive an entire day to come and see you, you know? But maybe next time you're in town, then I'll have an experience with you. But finally, you could have the Tim relationship with God. Verse 16 says, you saw me before I was born, and every day of my life was recorded in your book. God knows so much about your life, and he wants you to know him too. When Tim saw me, he treated me like we were old friends. He knew random details about my life from all the times that I'd met him, and he really wanted to know stuff about me, and he wanted me to know stuff about him. So we had a, a really good talk between the two of us. And God, the creator of the universe, wants that type of relationship with you, but like on a constant basis, not like once every couple years, you know. Um, <laughs> and he, he wants you to grow to learn him as much as he knows about you. He wants you to know about, as much about him as he knows about you. So again, you can have three types of relationships with God. You can have an Isaac relationship where all you know is his name. You can have a Colin relationship where you go to him, but only when it's convenient, you know, you're not willing to go out of your way to get to know him. Or finally, you can have a Tim relationship where you know him just as well as he knows you, and you grow, uh, you want to learn more about him with every encounter, so much so that you're willing to drive across country to see him. That's it. Thanks. Thank you, Faith. Next up, we'd like to call Nathan Sauce to the stage. Hola, thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. Faith, that was awesome. I was there in the middle of the most amazing Spice Girls concert ever. <laughs> it was pretty great. Um, so, it actually seems like we're all in kind of the same vein. Um, so I'm actually also in Romans 8, <laughs> this past Sunday, I guess we just got in that. Um, but Romans 8, verse 16, uh, and verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. That suffering with him looks like dying to your flesh, which is a one-time thing, right? You, you put away your flesh and all of its deeds all at once at salvation. That's justification. So when you do that, you become a co-heir with Christ. Have you ever uh, heard of Siamese twins um, or twins in general? Uh, that there's a weird phenomena that sometimes, oddly, one can eat the other one in, in the womb. Have you, have you heard of this? No? No? Well, so Jesus kind of did the opposite of that, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, we are co-heirs with Christ. We are, uh, we are heirs of God, right? So we have promises. We have things that we can hold on to as these co-heirs with Christ. Um, so I want to talk about two different things that you get as a co-heir with Christ. First of all, you get preference, um, 
Psalms 2 verse 6 says, Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. This is speaking of the coming Messiah of Jesus. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. So you get preference first. Um, why You say why preference? Well, Uh, If you have an inheritance, if you have an earthly inheritance on this planet, then you have to have familial familial preference, right? You have to have that preference, that association with that person, uh, that it's not just going to some Joe bloke on the street, but you have to have that familial preference. Um, And so first you see here that if you are a co-heir with Christ, if you come into the family of God and you, you become a son or a daughter of God, that you get this preferential treatment. This past, uh, few weeks ago. I'm, I'm doing school online. I'm finishing my undergrad, and I'll be done in May. Um, but I, I did four classes this past semester, and I did them all online. And as you all know, as I said earlier, um, I had a tragedy happen this semester. And so I emailed two of my professors, because it's I have seven-week classes, so it's seven weeks, and then two weeks off, and then seven weeks on. Um, and so I was in the middle of my last two classes. My first two classes, I had gotten A's, and I'm trying to keep my GPA high because I'd like to go up to my graduate and then uh, eventually doctorate, and you know, I'd like to be able at least have the option open to me to like, teach at universities down the road. Um, so I, I got to keep my GPA high. And so I got an A in my first two classes, and then my second two classes, this crazy thing happened two weeks in. And I'm like, and these classes are, it's just, it's kind of crazy, because they have like a thousand papers, and so <laughs> these two in particular. So in seven weeks, for one of my classes, I had to read five books, and the other one I had to read like two books, but one of them was like 350 pages, and so I read most of them. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I had this very limited amount of time, and so I emailed my professors. I said, hey, this tragedy happened in my life. Can you give me a little leeway on, on my due dates? And they both were very generous and very gracious about it. And so they gave me as much leeway as they possibly could up until the very last week of the semester. They said, you can turn in anything. Uh, and the only thing that will be counted against you is if you're late on discussion posting because that's part of the participation of the class. And so I said, okay, I can do that every week. And then I'll just get all my papers in one fell swoop in the last week. So that's basically what I did. Uh, I did like 11 papers in like six days. It was crazy. I was just, I'm, literally, I had to take off my ring finger because my finger was like losing blood and strength <laughs> because I was typing so much. And, uh, and so I was coming up to the end of the class and I was like, God, I would like to keep my GPA high and you know what happened this semester. I need your help. As my father, I'm just asking that you would help me and give me grace in this scenario um, and help me to finish everything, finish everything well and well enough to keep an A in both classes. And so I finished everything. I got it all in literally like 15 minutes before the semester ended. Um, and it was totally miraculous. You can ask Heather. It was miraculous that I finished everything. <laughs> but then I got everything in. They graded everything. And I got back one of my classes. It was an A. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Awesome. And then I got back my other one. And it was an A-, minus, which an A- minus doesn't sound bad, um, but... But at the university that I'm going to, it counts as a 3.66, so it's not a 4.0. So it does bring down my grade point average. So I was like, uh, I guess I'll just email my professor and see what's up. Because I prayed, and I, I believe that God, you know, he, he gives me preference. And so I, uh, so I emailed him, and I said, I know you already submitted the grades. Like, the semester is sealed. It's done. It's over. But 
can I do something to just bump it up that like one point or half a point, or I didn't even know how much it was, um, just that little bit to get it to an A. And uh, he replied, he said, unfortunately, the grades are the grades. You're a great student with a great heart, but you got what you got, basically. And, uh, and I was like, okay. And so I just kind of settled it in my heart. I was like, okay, like, that's cool. You know, God, this doesn't like inhibit God from my future or anything like that. But then the next day, I'm, uh, I'm at work, and I get an email, and it's from the office of the registrar, and they said, my professor had requested for my grade to be changed from an A- minus to an A. Without any extra, extra assignment, without anything else, he just changed my grade, which was probably the craziest thing ever, but it is directly connected to the preferential treatment that I have because I know Father God. Because I'm able to come to him and say, look, God, you know what's going on in my life. You know I'm doing my very best, but you've got to help me. You've got to help me tie up all the loose ends. So when you, go to, when you go to God, know that as an heir, as a son, as a daughter of God, you have preferential treatment. You get what you ask for. You get what you ask for. If you ask for food, he's not going to give you a stone, right? If you ask, if you ask for uh, provision for your children, He's not going to just throw them to the wayside. He's got, he's got you. And he, you have preferential treatment. If you need something in life, go to your father. This scripture says, ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. I will give them to you. Ask me. And then it says, I'll give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. Secondly, just possession. God gives you possession. He gives you possession of land. He gives you possession of territory. He gives you possession of the things that your heart desires. He gives you possession of both things, physical, spiritual, emotional, things that you need in life. He gives you possession. Um, this, this past week, I, uh, we went for Christmas, we went to Lubbock, where my wife is from, um, and my wife's grandfather is a rancher. And so he has, uh, he has about 6,000 acres uh, that's partially ranch land and partially farmland. Um, and so my father-in-law, as his son-in-law, uh, he, he asked my grandfather-in-law, can we set up a couple feeders um, and hunt on your land? And, uh, and so, of course, my grandfather-in-law said, uh, yes, you can do that. And so they set up two feeders. So I've never been hunting before. So I I told my father-in-law, I said, next year, this is last year, next year, I want to go and I want to hunt and I want to hunt on Pampa's land. And he said, okay, uh, that sounds good. Let's do it. So he had the feeder set up last year. They hunted a little bit last year. I didn't get out last year. But this year, I was ready. So my, my brother-in-law lent me a rifle and, you know, I went out and I took a couple shots and I, I tested it out and everything. We were just talking. We were standing around and... Uh, what my brother-in-law said to my father-in-law really stood out to me. He said, you know, to get, to get this level of hunting, to get this type of lease on a land where you're the only ones on it, and it would be pretty expensive. It would be, it would be pricey. Um, but man, isn't this just great that we're able to just set up feeders and not spend any of the fees on leasing the land, on, you know, uh, getting all the permits for it and everything. All we need is our license, and we're good to go. You know, all we need is our hunter's license and we're good to go. You know, God gives you possession. He gives you possession of land. He gives you possession of houses. He gives you possession of cars. He gives you possession of territory. And often, 
See, Satan wants to come in and steal that possession. He wants to take over that territory. He wants to say that, no, it's not yours. But see, if you know the landowner, then you have right to that possession. If you, ha- if you know the person who owns that territory or the person who owns that possession, then you have right to that possession just as a son would have the right to his father's property. So whatever you have in your heart, whatever possession you're desiring to possess, God already has given it to you. He's already given it to you in giving you his son. Because see, when he, so- when he sowed his son into the earth, it produced many sons. Many sons and daughters came out of it. And in that, now you are a son and you are a daughter. So you are the seed of Christ, right? You are, you're the fruit of his seed. So you have the possession that he has as a co-heir with Christ. You are a, bro- you are a brother or a sister to Christ. Now, when you go to God the Father, he sees Jesus. And just as Pastor Eric says it all the time, he sees Jesus. And this is in very, very much in regards to what you ask for. So you can know that when you ask God, God, I need this, or God, I need this, that he will willingly give it to you because he has possession of all of it. Ask of me. Ask of me, and I'll give you the ends of the earth as your possession. The ends of the earth as your possession. So you have preference and you have possession. I want to encourage you, when you go to God the Father, as an heir of God, know that those two things are yours and that you can go boldly into the throne room of grace and receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need and also receive these few things. Thank you, Nathan. All right, next up, I'd like to call a very special young lady, and I just wanted to share a quick moment that I had with this person, and I just want to encourage you guys, this is what happens when you will get out of your comfort zone and get, let your life get messy with other people, like go out and have coffee with somebody you go to church with. Go in, get in a life group, spend time at a life group to the point where people know you enough that they can call you. And then you can say, hey, you were acting weird at this life group. What's going on? Um, and so I want to encourage you to do that. And I, I had one of those opportunities with this young lady. I was really struggling with my job. And she helped me a lot with my resume. She helped me a lot just to really encourage me to be like I was on the right track and I was doing all the right things. And so it was just nice of her to not just say she was a Christian and not just be here, but she actually got involved in my life and it it just made a difference. So I encourage you, be involved in each other's lives. Uh, That's how this thing is uh, supposed to work. And so with that, I'd like to ask Crystal Hexamer to come up here and share. That's so sweet. He called me young. Makes my night. Thank you, Carl. He's a giant, giant blessing. Let's see here. Hey, when my phone does that, just turn the right way. I want to talk to you guys tonight. I just want to leave you with this thought. I want you to go have a drink. I want you to go have a drink. It's been a long day. It's been a long week. And I want you to have a drink. (laughs) We're going to start. Amen. Amen. I'm going to have a drink. So we're going to start in John chapter 7, verse 37 and 39. Uh, Pastor John taught me well, so I'm going to randomly say this three times so you know where the scripture is. John chapter 7, 37, 39. 
Last time, kids. John 7, 37, 39. And on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he, but this he spoke, no wait, but this he, yeah, yeah, this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share this word with these people. Under the sound of my voice, I pray their heart be open and receptive to receive what the Holy Spirit has to deposit in them. And may you bless the words of my mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you a little bit of a background before I start breaking these verses down. In the very first part of that first scripture on the last day, that great day of the feast, the feast that John is talking about there is the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And that was uh, an eight-day festival. Man, Jews know how to party. They're always like days and weeks. I mean, they get together. It's a big blowout. I think we as white people need to step our game up, but that's another message uh, entirely. But anyway, uh, it's an eight-day festival, and every good Jew male was expected to come into Jerusalem, and they would build these makeshift tents or booths or tabernacles, whatever you want to call them, and dwell in them throughout the festival in remembrance of them being in tents in, in the wilderness when they were Israelites were in the wilderness. And the whole celebration is about that, about God's provision to them in the wilderness and the great miracles that he did, the water from the rock, um, the fire, all of those things were represented. And what the priests would do in these seven days, he would do many different rituals, many different reenactments, one of them which was water libations. And that's essentially where they had this gold pitcher, and the priest would take it down to the pool of Siloam. I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but we're going to call it Siloam today. Um, <laughs> he'd take this golden uh, pitcher, and he has this procession, and there was like a parade of people that followed behind him. Um, and they had flutes, they had um, shofars, and in the script they would be singing this, although I really don't know how you make this into a song. Maybe you guys can help me, but they would sing Isaiah 12, 3. It says, therefore with joy we shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. It's good stuff, but it's not really lyrical. It doesn't rhyme. It's not like, waters of salvation. I mean, I don't know. I'll work on it and get back to you. But um, they were singing in a parade, and they would go down the pool of Siloam, and they would fill up this pitcher, and the priests would go back, and there were these two bowls, silver bowls, on either side of the altar, um, and he would pour one for wine and one for this water. And he would do this once a day for seven days, and on the eighth day, they really kicked it up a notch. They really got wild, and um, it would be the Pool of Siloam again in the parade, but when they got there, they did a Jericho march around. They did it seven times, and we'd pour out the water. And this is what was going on when Jesus said these words. This is what was happening. He didn't go with everybody else to this party. He was late to the party. And he, the Bible says he snuck in. Earlier in the chapter, it says he snuck in. And he was listening to people, and they were debating. They were going back and forth. Who is this guy? What are we going to do with this guy? I mean, everyone had an opinion. Everyone wanted to know who he was. Everyone wanted to know what he was about. And he was hearing these things. And then he was seeing these people go through these rituals and these motions and, and celebrating you know, what God had done in the past and going through these rituals and, and knowing that he was the fulfillment of all of these things. He was the fulfillment of every scripture. He was the fulfillment of every hope. He was the fulfillment of every ritual 
every drink of water that they needed, he could give them. And that's when he stood and he cried. And being stood is very significant because rabbi priests, they didn't stand. They sat and taught. But Jesus stood up in the middle of this, this uh, all of these things that are happening and cried out, it said. And that word cried out, that same Greek word cried out is um, used when the blind man was calling out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In Mark chapter 10, verses 46 and 47, it's the same word that used to describe Peter when he was walking on the water and he got his eyes off Jesus and he started to fall. Same word that he cried out in Matthew 14, 29, 30. Those of you that care, it's the same word, cried out with a loud voice, the amplified version says, with a loud voice. He was getting their attention. He was saying, if you're thirsty, come drink of me. Drink of me. I'm right here. Why are you distracted by all of these things? Why are you seeking all of these things? I'm fulfillment of every promise, of everything that you need. I'm standing right in front of you. And the scripture says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Living water is repeated over and over and over in the Bible. It's symbolic of Christ. It's symbolic of the Spirit. You can read it in, all the way in the beginning. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 10 says, Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four rivered heads. It watered and gave life to everything in the garden. It was a picture of Jesus all the way back then. Ezekiel 47, verse 1. In Ezekiel's vision, there was water flowing out of the temple. Another picture of Jesus. Zechariah 14. He foresees living waters flowing out of Jerusalem after Jesus appeared on the Mount of Olives. In John chapter 4. In verse 14, or the woman at the, at the well, Jesus says to her, But whoever drinks of the water, that I shall give him, and will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. He revealed who he was to her personally. And now in John chapter 7, he's doing it corporately. He's doing it publicly. He's saying, I'm what you're looking for. I'm what you're reenacting. And all the way to the end, in John, uh, Revelation 22nd, I'm mean, sorry, 22, verse 1, John sees a pure river of water proceeding from the throne of God. And then in verse 17 of that same chapter, he says that Jesus is the water of life to all who are thirsty. So from the beginning and to the end, he is the water of life for all who are thirsty. It's nothing that we do in and of ourselves. It is a free gift of God. It is dependent on what he has done for us and not any works that we have done, not anything that we've done right, not anything that we've done wrong. It's only about what he has done for us. And I love John. He wants to make sure you get it. He says that rivers of living water, but this he spoke concerning the spirit who knows believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. John wants you to get that these rivers of living water is the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you. 
that he dwells in you. The Bible said he dwells in you. That word dwell means tabernacle or to make a tent over or a booth. He wants to make his tabernacle on the inside of you. A river is not a sip of water. It's not a bottle of water. It's not a pail of water. It's a never-ending drink. Every single day of your life, you can take a drink. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's come up against you. I don't know what struggles you have, but I do know that you need a drink. (laughs) And I want to encourage you tonight to take that drink, that he is an answer for every single situation. And it's not a one-time thing. It's a daily drink. So I want you to drink every single day. And, And also, a river flows out to other people, right? It's not just for one person. So you receive from him what you need, and in turn, it spills out onto other people. If you stir up that gift that is on the inside of you, that if you remember that the spirit of the living God lives on the inside of you, the same spirit that spoke into darkness and said, light be, lives on the inside of you. The same spirit that was on the inside of Jesus lives on the inside of you. The same spirit that rose him from the dead is on the inside of you. The same spirit that went about healing all, the same spirit that walked on water, the same spirit that went into the temple and kicked some butt. You have a butt-kicking spirit on the inside of you. I want you all to say that. I'm a butt-kicker. Just say it. That's right. All of those things are possible and attainable because the Word says, as he is, so are we. Just like everyone has been telling you tonight, you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. As he is, so are you. If he did it, you can do it. He showed you the Father, so you can show people the Father. You can show people the kingdom, the the victory in your life, the way that you walk through things. Because let me just give you this little nugget. If you show people the kingdom, they will want to meet your king. It's true. If you show people the kingdom, they'll want to meet your king. So I just want to encourage you to have a drink and have one with someone else. Thank you. Well, this sounds loud. All right, let me adjust this real quick. I just want to do a real quick uh, message. Um, It's actually an idea of a message, so your expectations should be outline level, okay? Not finished product (laughs) Um, that I'm working on. So with that said, let me get into this. Um, So... I read a scripture in the Bible like 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it says, Therefore, is anyone in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so I like to think about that, and I say, God, okay, so if I want to do life your way, if I want to do this Christian journey, um, and if there's a title, not for my message, but for the journey, it's probably called the Jesus journey, unless that's already a book at Mardell's, then don't use it, okay? (laughs) Feels like a book I would see at Mardell's, (laughs) the Jesus journey. (laughs) Um, But I think about the scripture, I'm like, okay, so the old way before I knew Christ, um, that's not how I'm going to do life, and there's a new way, 
And so if God has a new way, I want to find out what that new way is. Well, there's a bunch of different ways of sources for this new way. The most important is the Bible, and that's why it's important to read your Bible. So if you didn't have a reason to read your Bible, there you go. You're welcome. Because <laughs> you need to find out about this new way of how God wants you to live your life. Uh, the second is his spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is actually called uh, the teacher, uh, the guider, the counselor, uh, the comforter. And it's not something you can really uh, get a more education on. It's more of a relationship that you practice. And there's actually a book called Practicing His Presence. And it's more about that because the Holy Spirit is more of a still, small voice. And he works more in your heart like a knowing and a leading. And right before you make a giant purchase, he just gives you a check and says, yeah, go for it. Or he says, nope, back away from this deal. You should have listened to your wife. <laughs> and sometimes he sounds like your wife. <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, God has given us pastors and teachers in the Bible. And so, and that's why we come here. That's why we come to church, is so that we could learn about this new life, so that we know what this new creation looks like. Uh, because if you don't know what it looks like, uh, you're not going to try it. You're not going to figure out, and you're not going to go after it. So come to church. If you didn't have a reason to come to church, but I feel like it's the Wednesday night crowds, so I feel like you guys probably have a lot of reasons. <laughs> Tell a friend who doesn't have a reason to be here. <laughs> Tell them because you need to learn. That's why uh, we need to come to church. Anyways, so I just wanted to give you one scripture that I picked up, and I was like, okay, God, what does this new creation look like, and how do we live it? So let me, I just picked one scripture, uh, one of my favorites, 2 Timothy 1.7, and it says this, for, if you, some of you probably have it memorized, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And so part of what this new creation looks like is that. Does that not sound awesome? Like, I'm not a great person, but that sounds awesome to me. You're like, wait, so I get power, I get love, and a sound mind? <laughs> I'm signing up for this deal. <laughs> the other guy's only had a triangle. <laughs> Anyways, let me go through uh, the three words here really quick because I actually want to apply this scripture to our lives. And uh, one thing that I think a lot about that I help a lot of people with is overcoming anxiety and depression. Also, it's okay to say those words. Anxiety and depression. They're words. Uh, they're not who you are. Uh, they're what you're going through. And if you ever need help, you just have to reach out. So just so you know, pastors and preachers and everybody who's up here, they're not mind readers. We can't read your mind. We can't tell uh, when you're struggling with this. So you do have to you have to put your hand out there. You have to get involved, and you have to get in people's lives so that we can really know what's going on with you. Um, and it's okay to say, like, hey, I'm struggling with anxiety, or I have anxiety, um, or hey, I'm depressed. It's okay to say that. But let me give you the good news, because you're not going to stay there, okay? That's the good news, is you don't have to stay there. Um, so God says something like this. I've given you a spirit of love, of, not a spirit of fear, but of power. That word power, of course, we know is dunamis, and that is strength, ability, or we could say it's God's power residing within you. So it's all of God residing within you. And we see that in Scripture in Romans 8, 11. Sorry, forgot to add that one. And it says, 
But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And I, I just want to encourage you, the power of the, to be this new creation, it's not your own power. So stop. Take that burden and that weight and just lay it down. And guys, you don't have to do this. You don't have to generate this power. It's not a magic pill you're going to take. It's nothing you have to work at. You don't have to pray for 12 hours a day. If you do, let me know how you're doing that. But you don't have to. It's within you. It's already there. That's the good news. Uh, another definition of this power that I found is it says, power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. And so we go back to the new nature, the new creation. So the power that we're talking about is not from your old nature. It's not from your old flesh, but it's from the new man, and it's from God himself. And so that is the kind of power that you have in this new creation. All right, let's move on to, I'm going to skip love for a second, and we'll go on to sound mind. Um, would you guys like to learn some Greek tonight? Sure, okay. Well, there is a word, and it is pronounced sophronesmos. Sophronesmos. So anytime I try Greek words, I just like to say it like that, and it makes it fun, and then I keep reading. <laughs> you got to make it fun. Um, so this sound mind um, actually has more to do with self-control and moderation. And so it's interesting that when he's promising us this new life that you have in Christ is a life with a sound mind, a mind that can have self-control, a mind that can have moderation. It's interesting when you work with people that have anxiety, a lot of anxiety is based from fears and just thinking that the worst-case scenario is going to happen. And look at, we just found a solution to that problem. God says, you can have self-control in your mind. You can control yourself. I'm going to give you the power that's not your own. It's my power, but you can use it to control your mind. Amen. That's, that's the key right there. And so I want to encourage you and give you that hope that you can control your mind. And you're like, Carl, I don't have this strength. Don't worry about it. It's his strength. It's his power. He can do it. Um, <clears throat> the other, uh, let me see here. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, let's talk about depression real quick. Um, and I can talk about that. I'm a, for those who know the temperament test, I'm a melancholy, melancholy compulsive, melancholy compulsive, and a sanguine. The sanguine affection is what gets me out of the house. <laughs> so I actually need people a little bit. Um, but I've had my own issues with depression. And uh, part of me wanting to do this outline is try to figure out how to communicate clearly to people to help them get over it. And I will say this, in the church world, we kind of get one of the keys is controlling your thoughts, because the Bible says take captive, captive every thought. In the secular world, it's not as heavy. And so they like to use a lot of medications. Uh, they like to put things on chemical imbalance, which is fine. And if they label it that, that's what we're going to believe for God to heal you. Is he can heal you of anything. He can fix any issue that's going on in your body. But we have to take the two other issues going on, it could be your diet that's messing up your chemicals. But if you think about it, your brain controls your chemicals. So when my wife, when I come home and she says, Carl, I made your favorite food. 
my brain immediately, the thoughts I have in my brain, immediately good things go on through my body. I'm like, is it ribs? Is it pork chops? Is it the soft pork chops where I barely cut through them and they're still moist? Is it the kind where it's a little brown on the outside? And do you see what those thoughts just did to my body? I was excited. I was like, oh my gosh. My mouth starts watering thinking about this food. Your thoughts control the chemicals in your body. So how you think is going to control what goes on in your body. So that's something we have to consider too. We've got to put just as much weight on that issue as everything else that the world says, okay? So, uh, and the same thing, I want to think about this, is depression. A lot of depression stems from loss. Well, it's not really loss if you can get to the core. So, for an example, when you lose a loved one, ah, oh, the real, if you get real down there, it's, no, I'm never going to love again. So, no, nor when you lose even a disappointment in a job, what you're really fearful of is I'm never going to get to that position. I'm never going to get that job. Um, I'm never going to be the mom that I thought I was going to be. Or, um, and again, it comes back to fear. And it's like, no, God is saying, no, you don't have to have that. You don't have to live that way. And there's a new way, because you're a new creation, so there's a new way for you to live. And it's filled where you can have self-control of your mind, where you can have moderation, right? Because as a mom, sometimes it's good to have these thoughts, like, oh, if I let them play in the street, hmm, that's not good. So that's a fair, fair path to keep and, and to work with. <laughs> uh, last thought is, uh, let me just say something about anger real quick. Anger is a mask that usually hides what feels worse than anger. I'll give you an example. I got a couple of puppies. My life was perfect. I had a wonderful life, and I got these two puppies, and they're sisters, and they're wild dogs. I don't know why I got them. And they get up all the time, and I didn't know it. I know now that when my sleep pattern gets interrupted like more than two times in a night, I have anger issues. And maybe we shouldn't record this next part, but I want to confess there was an incident where I was using words that you should not say in front of puppies. <laughs> and I know a lot of people are like, oh, Carl, you're so calm and you're so sweet. Not when puppies are waking me up. You just went to the bathroom, Luna. Rex, what the heck is wrong with you? Where did I do this? <gasps> okay, don't go there. Stay. Um, but you know what? One time I had this incident, and, I, and you guys are laughing, but I was really losing control of my thoughts, and these dogs were just getting... When they chew something and they destroy my house, I lose it. And then I got really angry, embarrassing angry in front of my wife and kids, and so then I was like, God, what is, what is the issue? Why am I being so angry over this deal? And finally got to the core of the issue. And a lot of it had to do with, well, they messed up the siding, which is going to cost me money. And I have a fear I'm not going to have enough money to fix that. And so it's like, so I encourage you to kind of look at anger and try to get behind it and see what the real issue is. And usually, it's okay to talk about, usually it's we don't feel adequate or we don't feel enough or we don't feel loved. And it's those type of issues. But just like uh, depression and anxiety, it's okay to face those issues. It's okay to go head on and to talk to Jesus about them and to get him involved. Because, it's, again, it's his power and it's his life. And like what everyone else is saying, it's 
when you're in relationship with him, he's going to bring the truth that you need uh, to overcome every circumstance. So lastly, and we'll close with this, is love, because he also says love. And love really wins. Isn't that a song? Love wins or something. Um, But this is the agape kind of love, the God kind of love, the love that gives and doesn't ask anything in return. And this love is now you. It's now inside of you. It's now who you are. And this is part of the new creation. I want to read something, and we'll close after this. So, and of course, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Part of this new creation, you now get to read the scripture this way. I suffer long. I am kind. Some of you can read that twice. (laughs) I do not envy. I do not parade myself around. I am not puffed up. I do not behave rudely. I do not seek my own. I am not provoked. I think no evil. I do not rejoice in iniquity. I rejoice in the truth. I bear all things. I believe all things. I hope all things. I, this new creation, endures all things. Love and I never fail. You will never fail. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.